Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. It's that time again. It's Twizday. 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 Okay. Days of the week have weird spellings. They do. Wednesday's the weirdest. Wednesday? Wednesday. Yeah, that one's that one's tough. Yeah. Yeah. But you're not here to talk about days of the week. We talked about that yesterday. We already did it. Yeah. We're they here to talk about it. something different. They were super ecstatic about that, but they want to hear about this. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if I have anything else for our opening. Do you? Anything interesting going on in your life these days? Uh, it's Wednesday. No, it's Tuesday. Oh. <laughs> we just covered this. <laughs> I guess uh, I guess I need to go back to bed and start over. There we go. There we go. Hey, my community group meets tonight, so that's exciting. That's, that is exciting. Yeah. How's that going? It's going well, man. Hey, just between you and I, who's your favorite community group member? I'll tell you, it's, it's, uh, okay. So, you said Amanda, right? Yeah, actually I did. I did. It's my wife. Uh, yeah, I will unashamedly say she's my favorite community group member. Okay. You can have that favorite. All right. Fair Who's enough. your second favorite? I uh, we'll talk about that offline. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, uh, we do value community groups. And if you're part of our church family and you're listening to this, we would encourage you to get connected with the community group yes. if you haven't already. Definitely. It's uh, such an important part of, of what it looks like to be involved at Compass Bible Church. It's not just a place where you show up and attend on Sundays and go home and show up again the next week, but we want you building relationships and talking together in community about how the word of God applies to our lives, praying together, serving one another um, in the context of our community groups is, is where that works itself out most readily. One of my old pastors used to say that relationships are the currency of the kingdom. And, and I think what he meant by that, he said that a lot. He said, and I think he probably got that from somebody else. But the idea here is that our, our, our life as Christians is greased and, and moved by our relationships. At the end of our lives, I'm confident one of the things that we're going to think about is the people that we loved and impacted and loved us. And we'll reflect on whether or not we did good and then serving the people that we cared about. So build relationships. That's what this life is about. I mean, when Jesus talks about the greatest commandment, the greatest commandment and the second greatest commandment are both about relationships to love God and to love people. So really your life is never wasted in building in relationships. So get into a group. Yeah. And I, I, there's an eternal component of it as well. I mean, we don't know exactly what relationships are going to look like in the new, new earth. I'm so excited. But I, I can't imagine that there's going to be this like refresh blank slate, start over. Everybody's getting to know everybody else from day one. I think you're going to have uh, that community still in the new earth that you're going to have those relationships and those connections with. Oh man, I'll do you one better. I read Randy Alcorn's book about this, his book on heaven. Yeah. And he talks about something I think he's right on. He thinks that there's continuity and discontinuity in the way that we experience life here and the way that we experience life there. Continuity in our relationships, in our knowledge, continuity in, I mean, even the skills and habits that we've developed, we carry that with us, but that we improve and build upon it for the rest of our eternal existence um, with with perfected bodies, perfected minds, which that, that gets me really excited. Discontinuity, I think, is the thing that everyone expects. Like, it's going to look different. We're going to feel different, all those things. But the continuity, we carry our personalities with us. We carry our habits, our behaviors, obviously not the sinful ones, but everything that we are that's not sin- sinful comes with us. Yeah. That's an exciting thought. It is. Yeah. Heaven just in general, I, our, our concepts of it, I think, are far too truncated and informed by 90s era cartoons with 
you know, naked babies yeah. and wings and clouds. Like, we're going to work in heaven. Like work is not a result of the fall. There's going to be work that we have to do there and it's going to be rewarding. It's going to be good. Um, it's minus it's, the curse, minus the curse. Right. And, and even progress, like that's a crazy thing to think about is how we're going to get better at things. Cause we will get better at things forever, right? Forever. And yet we'll be in perfect bodies and crazy. our lack of, of, uh, progress where, where we start to where we end up it's not going to be a result of of the fall that keeps us from progressing further it's just going to be how god originally designed it which none of us have ever experienced before and yet we will that's exciting yeah that is exciting sign me up for that yes yes you know what else is exciting psalm 44 Oof. 45 and 46 44 i guess maybe i don't know if it's super exciting it's the sons of korah again oh. so it's korah's progeny and uh, they're back and they've written another song. And this one is uh, basically it's a national lament. So it's it's not an individual, but it's a song that was written to uh, to grieve or lament um, the, the circumstances of the nation of Israel following a, what appears to be a great defeat at the hands of a, a foreign nation or foreign army. Mm. And so the, they're leading the nation in repenting. And that was something that was unique for Israel. There would be this corporate repentance that Israel would uh, participate in. You think of Daniel, when Daniel prays towards the end of the book of Daniel, where he's praying that God would forgive the nation of Israel for their sins against him and for breaking the covenant with him. And so you've got a, a corporate uh, repentance or confession that's taking place here as the sons of Korah are writing this and Israel is participating in it. Um, you look at verse nine and following, they're very aware of why they are in the situation that they're in. Look at verse nine. You have rejected and disgraced us. The you here is God. They're addressing God in this. You have made us turn back. You have made us like sheep for slaughter. You have sold your people for a trifle. You have made us the taunt of our neighbors. You have made us a byword among the nations. And maybe I, I spoke out of turn there where I was saying this was a corporate repentance. This is a, a corporate grieving over what's going on because it, it, they've examined themselves and, and they're concluding that they don't have a, anything that they can points you to, to repent of which is kind of a big deal it massive yeah verses 17 and 18 all this has come upon us that we have not forgotten you we have been not been false to your covenant our heart has not turned back and so there's there's not an understanding or a clear directive as to why god is doing this uh, verse 22 they they say yet for your sake we are killed all the day long we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered sounds familiar yeah, Paul picks up on this in Romans chapter 8, verse 36, and he throws that in there in his chain of praising God's love and saying, yet even still, God's love is still there. And I think that gives us a, a glimpse into how to understand what's going on in Psalm 44, that even though the suffering is taking place and they know it's from God, and yet they can't point to any specific sin that they're guilty of, I think Paul helps us understand in Romans 8, saying, and yet God's love is still there, even when we're suffering, still there's nothing that's going to separate us from the love of God, which is where Paul goes with it in verses 37 and 38. Yeah, we beat this horse back in Job, but it stands Quite to reason bit. that we need the reminder because scripture continues to remind us about this. Being a child of God, being someone who's favored by God, saved by him, his blood spilled for you does not protect us and guarantee that we will not go through seasons of great sorrow and hardship where mm -hmm. it feels like verse 23, God, why are you asleep? God, right. it seems like, where are you at, God? I'm following your leadership. I'm doing everything you told me, and yet here you are. You're, I'm, I'm struggling in these areas, right. and my kids got cancer, and I, you know, I'm dying. My hair's falling out, whatever it is. Man, we, we, we are so rich 
as a culture, we are so blessed in so many ways. I mean, we've got air conditioning and really hot weather. We've got heating and really cold weather. We just have so much. Sometimes that creates for us an insulation where we think that we deserve these things, that we're entitled to these things. And man, it's good for us to feel to feel vulnerable, to yep. feel poor, and to feel that sense of, man, my dependency and my hope is not in my situation, not in my family, not in my circumstances, but in Christ. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Good word. Uh, verse 45 then, or verse 45, chapter 45, Psalm 45. Um, interesting one here. This one is to the choir master according to the lilies. Oh. It's a maskal of the sons of Korah. It's a love harps. song. Harps and like a like a, a bird in the background, like tweeting. Yes. I heard Jars of Clay, a love song for a savior because it says love song there. I heard the cure. Yeah, the cure. Okay. Okay, well, different strokes for different folks, right? <laughs> in Psalm 45, this is a, a psalm written for a, a royal wedding. And uh, it's interesting, though. Um, and, and let's just jump straight to it. Verse 6, he's addressing the king, the psalms, the psalmists are, uh, the sons of Korah are, and yet they say, your throne, O God, and you'll notice in your Bible, capital G, is forever and ever. What? Blasphemy. Blasphemy. Throw it Everybody out. rip out Psalm 45. Throw it out of your Bible. Well, don't do that because then you would lose Psalm 44 and that's on the back page. Uh, so maybe okay. just White scratch out. it out. White out. Don't do any of that, actually. Yeah. What gives? This is one that that admittedly is is curious at best. I mean, that's, that's the way that we would describe it. Uh-oh. And yet it was not uncommon. So the word here in the Hebrew is not Yahweh. So when you read God, G-O-D, uh, and, and typically in your Hebrew Bibles or in your Old Testament, anytime you read God, it's not translating Yahweh. It's not translating the, the covenant name of God. It's translating the word Elohim. Um, Elohim was actually a plural in Hebrew that meant God's, um, but it was attributed to God uh, all the way back in Genesis. Let us make man in his image. So he made them an image, male and female. He created them, created in the image of God. The, the concept there is Elohim. Yahweh appears in our English Bibles translated by capital L and then the small caps after that O R D in the small caps. So when you read Lord in your Bibles and they're in the, the capitals, that's the Hebrew name Yahweh that's mm. uh, appearing there. But then you'll also find Lord sometimes as capital L lowercase O R D. And that's the Hebrew word Adonai, mm. um, which meant master or sovereign this one. Getting confusing. So yeah, there's a lot of different names for God that we find in the Hebrew Bible. What's important for us to know is that they were applied in different contexts in different ways. You're never going to find a human being referred to as Yahweh. That was a, a sacred name that even when the scribes were copying the Old Testament manuscripts, there were policies and procedures in place so that the scribes would, would not be able to be interrupted by anything. Like their wife could be having a heart attack and they had to finish writing the divine name Yahweh before they could get up and, and turn and help their family member. Like that's kind that, of a bummer. That's how high they held the name of God. They had such strict rules in place of that. Elohim was often attributed not just to God, but to the representatives of God. And so you would find in the Old Testament, for example, in the book of Judges, you would find sometimes the, the judges referred to as Elohim, as gods, because they were representing God to the people. And so here you have the king referred to as 
Elohim, I think more as a nod to him as God's representative mm-hmm. ruling over the people of Israel, not attributing to the king any sort of deity himself. And isn't it interesting too that this is written to an heir of David, right? This is not, so this is not David himself. This is the sons of Korah. It's a wedding psalm. The song is praising the Davidic king. And I think now that we can look back with the cross in mind, we can see Psalm 45 and say, oh, this ultimately was pointing to the Davidic king, Jesus, right. who is God right. forever and ever, who does have a scepter of righteousness. I mean, that, that in my mind, that's how I put this together. And if I were an Israelite who read this, I would, I, wow, we're, we're calling one of David's sons a, a, a God. Okay. But to your point, Pastor PJ, the word for the word for God was used not only for God's representatives, but even for false gods, right. you know, for for I- idols, Elohim were were used all over the place, and the the word for God is a title. It's a title, and not a person. And in our case, because we talk about the Lord God, Adonai, or uh, the Elohim, Yahweh, Elohim, it's uh, God who is Yahweh, His personal name. So I know this can be a bit confusing, and I'm probably not helping a whole lot, but just know that Jesus fulfills this. So this is not just about the human king, although in this context, it's about Him. But it points to someone greater than the king himself. It points to the king, the king of kings, Jesus Christ. Which, sidebar, on divine names, the name Jehovah. You probably have never read that in your your Bible before. You've never seen it. Because it's not an actual name of God. What? Screeching tires right now. Jehovah's Witnesses, buddy. Right. Yeah, well, they, they have built their entire identity on something that God never revealed himself as. Wow. God never once called himself Jehovah. Because here's, you may be thinking, well, then where did we get that? How do we get it? Well, here's, I I mentioned the name Yahweh and how high they held, the Jews held the name Yahweh. In fact, they still will not pronounce the name Yahweh. It's, it's a name that's so sacred that they don't want to pronounce it in such a way that would bring shame upon God. That would be a great sin to them as well. So what they would do when they were writing the name Yahweh is that they would give it different vowels. So in Hebrew, there's vowel points without getting into all the technical points there. You already lost me. But they would, they would give it the vowels for the word Adonai so that when the scribe would or the, the, the rabbi would be reading it and he would come across the, the written word Yahweh, it would have the Adonai vowel points and he would think to himself, I need to pronounce this as Adonai and not Yahweh. So they would always uh, pronounce the, the divine name Yahweh as Adonai to prevent pr- pronouncing Yahweh in an unworthy manner. Well, when you take the consonants of Yahweh and you take the vowels of Adonai and you put them together in Hebrew, the word that we get is Jehovah. Jehovah. Wow. And so that's what it is. It's a man-made, man-constructed name for God. Now, is it wrong if you've got the poster that's got all the like Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah this, Jehovah that? Yes, it is wrong. (laughs) Repent immediately. And burn burn him. (laughs) No, it's it's not wrong if you've referred to God as Jehovah, but just know that that, that's not a divine name that he revealed himself as. It's a, a mashup of Yahweh and Adonai. So Yahweh sounds like it starts with a Y, Y, and Jehovah starts with a J. How did that kind of be? Think of 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 Jesus and Joshua or uh, Yeshua, right? Yehoshua, the the sound that became the the J sound, the hard J sound was at one point a a Y sound. Yeah, the Yod. And so we had a a Y in Hebrew that would give that pronunciation that in the English transliterations took on the hard uh, J sound that we associate with Jesus and with Joshua, um, with Jehovah. Mm -hmm. And so you you may have even heard somebody refer to him as Yehovah. um, Yeah. But same concept there. Okay, thank you. Yep. Psalm 46. 
Psalm 46 is just a, a, a great breath of fresh air as we've been dealing with so much lament and then uh, a wedding psalm. Psalm 46. So many songs have been written, modern songs, and even Ancient, Martin Luther modern, has no. has uh, a mighty fortress comes out of the content of Psalm 46. What an amazing psalm this is. I, I mean, I don't know if there's any way to improve upon what's already written here as you read it, just to contemplate how amazing God is, and that's what this psalm does for us. I mean, who doesn't love this psalm? I love it. The opening phrase, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Man, that's powerful. That stirs me up right now. It does. Uh, by the way, the corner room, I referenced them a while back, a couple of episodes ago. Yeah. They've got a Based version of Psalm 46, song? which is good. Oh. Shane is Shane just released not long Lord ago, a version of, of Psalm 46. Yeah. By the way, Lord of hosts, what does that mean? Lord of armies. Lord of armies. Lord yep. is not some kind of weak and effeminate God. He is a, is a mighty God who has right. great armies at his disposal. Right. And he's the Lord of hosts, not uh, not restaurant hosts. It's not as though he's got a, everybody from Chili's is there with him. He's like, all right, can, where can all we? All right, guys, let's do this. All right, let's go seat everybody. <laughs> no, it's uh, the Lord of armies, and he is on our side. Praise God that he's on our side. Acts chapter 25 Acts chapter close 25. to the end. We are coming close to it. Super close. There's only 28 comes. chapters in Acts, contrary to a church planning organization that's out there. Well, some have said that we're actually in Acts 29 right now. Okay. Well, some have said that, but it's not the Bible. <laughs> well, I, mean, yeah, I think the yeah. Bible alludes to that. I think there's some precedence for that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Acts chapter 25. Uh, Paul's still there in Caesarea Philippi and uh, still going back and forth and trying to figure out what's going on. And he is going to appear before a new guy now. Um, and uh, it, the, the chief priests, the principal of the Jews are still after uh, Paul, but Festus comes on the scene. And uh, Festus tells, figures out what's going on here with, with Paul, and it says there uh, he stays in this location for eight or ten days, and then he goes down to Caesarea, and the next day he took his seat on the tribunal. Now, again, I mentioned you can go to Caesarea Philippi today, and this theater where he is is still in existence, and there is the, so cool. the box where he would have been sitting is right there. So you can go and you can stand there today where Festus was when all of this took place. Wait, you can actually stand on it? Yeah. That seems like something I would want people to do. Yeah, but the, dude, Israel is a weird place. Like I've already said this, I think before in the podcast, like they've got ruins that are older than our country and they're just laying in the weeds. <laughs> they're like, yeah, that's there. But Can it's not. we take some with us? Can right. I can't bring some back to our church. Right. Put it in your pocket. And it's got this box around it, like this railing around it, but that, that marked the place where the royal officials would have sat to, crazy. to watch all of this going on. What's even more impressive is that stuff's still around. Oh like, yeah. How totally. do they make such structures that are so resilient that thousands of years later, it's still there. Right. And our like baseball stadiums were like, ah, oh, it's been around for 20 years. Tear it down, build a new one. <laughs> That's right. Like, okay. Well, yeah. So he's there and, and Paul gets to come before him and give a defense. Um, and he initially wants to send Paul back to Jerusalem here. And yet Paul's not uh, about that. He's not having that. He says in verse 11, if I'm a wrongdoer and have committed anything for which I deserve to die, I don't want to escape death. Like I'm not trying to get out of dying. But he says, but there's nothing to their charges against me. No one can live, can give me up to them. I, I then want to go to Caesar. And so he's appealing to go to Rome. Uh, remember Which is a God's, brilliant move. Yeah, brilliant move. And uh, in Festus replies, he goes, you appeal to Caesar, then I'm going to send you to Caesar. I'm going to send you to Rome. Well, then he guarantees too that Rome is going to get him to Rome. Right. Like he, he, he gets there on their tax dollars. Right. Which, okay. And, and, and it also he preserves his life because it says here that Festus wanted to do the Jews a favor. 
I think Festus knew at this point that the Jews had it out for him. Yep. And so he's like, yeah, well, let me, how about I help you out with this? Do you want to go to Jerusalem, Paul, to be tried by your people? And then Paul's like, no way, buddy. Right. No way. <laughs> right. Well, what happens next in the rest of chapter uh, 25 here is, is what you really get here is that Paul is just this enormous curiosity to everyone. No one can figure out what to do with Paul. And so Festus has Agrippa and Bernice come down and they're there and, and they're, they're going back and forth and they're investigating. They're asking Paul these questions and they're trying to figure out, Paul, what? Tell us more. Like there's got to be something we're missing here. And, and I love when, when uh, Festus says in verse 25, I, I found that he had done nothing deserving death. And as he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to go ahead and send him. But I have nothing definite to write about my uh, write to my Lord about him. Therefore, I brought him before you guys. Somebody help me. Figure out what's going on here. <laughs> right? I, like, what am I supposed to do? Just send him to Caesar and be like, here's a guy. Yeah. For yeah. no reason. <laughs> right. I was so curious. Why would they just let him go then? Like, dude, no, Paul, you're not going to Caesar. We're letting you go. Right. Why did, Festus doesn't think of it. Felix doesn't think of it. Agrippa is like, well, I guess he's going to see Caesar. For what reason? Right. Why not just let him go? What are these guys doing? Unless they're just thinking to themselves, man, if we let him go, like the Jews that are around are just going to take him and kill him. Lose it. There could be a riot on our hands. This yeah. could get back to Rome. He appealed to Caesar. So it's political expediency at the end of the it's day. It's got to be. They've got to just be caring about themselves at this point in time. What a bad move. Yeah. But bad moves within the providence and direction of God, because this is how God gets him to Rome. Yep. Yep. But so cool to, to see God orchestrating the events of Paul's life, even events that, you know, if Paul had to write it at the end of his life, I don't think he would write it the way that it goes down here, but be inclined to agree at the same time, you know, his confidence has got us so encouraging and God is so encouraging that, and we can have that same confidence that God is orchestrating the events of our life, um, in, in a similar fashion. Indeed. And when you're an innocent person being tried for things that you're not guilty of, even in that, as I just made mention here, God's at work. (laughs) There's nothing man can do that can thwart or circumvent God's purposes. Man, that is incredibly comforting. Yep. Absolutely it is. So wherever you are, Christian, listening to this, whatever is going on in your life right now, it's not happenstance. It's not random. Uh, God is at work and uh, be encouraged by that. And uh, be encouraged, hopefully, by this podcast as we pray and trust that you are. And we pray and hope that you'll join us again tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Podcast. See ya. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Thank you.